Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. This is the Thrive Bites podcast, and welcome to season five. Here we talk about three things, plant-powered living, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview the most passionate guests here, ranging from physicians to coaches to dietitians to entrepreneurs. And my hope is to give you really informative and high-valued conversations. So please Follow us here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you hear your podcasts. Come on in, and I can't wait to see you inside. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. Welcome to the third anniversary of the podcast since it's officially started with the first episode in May of uh, 2000. Uh, 19. I believe it was May 1st uh, was the official um, episode. And uh, yes, definitely humble beginnings. Um, and uh, you get to witness our third uh, year anniversary. And this is such a wonderful, wonderful episode to kind of share what I love and the science behind it. And that is nature is and as medicine. And I am joined by my lovely, you know, friend and colleague, Dr. Uh, Melissa Sunderman. And uh, she um, gives a wonderful presentation about the different iterations of for forest bathing um, as originated in Japan to um, the different park systems that we can access to how it improves our physical and emotional, you know, well-being. Um, and it, to how it's actually prescribed in uh, Canada and the UK. So you don't want to miss this wonderful uh, presentation, and I'll see you inside. Okay, guys, well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. Again, you could have been anywhere in the world, and you decided to spend your cherished moments with us, and I am super, super appreciative and grateful. So this is a very special episode, and um, I can't wait to introduce um, the next uh, topic um, and speaker for today. Um, today we're going to be talking about all things nature is and or as medicine. And um, our guest speaker for today is Dr. Melissa Sutterman, and she is a plant-based physician, double board certified in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. She's been practicing for medicine for over 20 years. Uh, she's also trained in integrative medicine through the University of Michigan, has completed professional training uh, program in mind-body medicine. Uh, through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine based in Washington, D.C. And she's been uh, featured in several lifestyle medicine articles, podcasts. Uh, she's been invited to speak in national conferences. And she really, really strongly believes in fostering a partnership with her patients and helping them guide towards a healing pathway through self-care, utilizing lifestyle medicine principles. And uh, she currently practices in uh, with IHA. I'll let her, um, you know, uh, dive deep with that in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, she's helped to launch the IHA Lifestyle Medicine Institute and leads the Stay Well Committee, which focuses on optimizing their 3,000 employees. And, uh, you know, on the back end, she practices what she preaches. And this is what we love about this is and she enjoys running. 
biking, hiking, skiing, spending time outdoors, creating adventures with her husband, uh, two college-age children, two dogs. Uh, she just told me about it. She's a 10-time Boston Marathon finisher, three-time full Ironman uh, triathlon finisher, and currently training for several upcoming ultra marathons. <laughs> so without further ado, please welcome Dr. Melissa. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I'm so excited to be here, Colin. We've been like, you know, knowing each other virtually. And it's so great to, I mean, this is almost like being in person with you. Pretty close. Um, Two-dimensional. Hopefully it'll be three-dimensional pretty soon. But I am honored to be your guest. Oh, thank you so, so much. And I am super stoked, not just for you, uh, because I love the work that you put out there, not just for the topic, but we also are celebrating uh, when this airs um, the third anniversary of this podcast. And so I wanted to, you know, celebrate something that I love, which is traveling and being out in nature. And so this is so, you know, great for me personally. And I know that, you know, people who love the outdoors, people who love road tripping, adventure, traveling are going to take away a lot from this because it's very healing. You know, we're in the healing business at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I know that you came with a presentation. Um, this is going to be a talk, um, you know, for future conferences. So we are very, very appreciative for you to spend the time um, and for the work that you've done with this. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And like you said, this is just a passion of mine. So I've always loved nature and, you know, as I've been practicing for 20 years, it just seems like when I reflect back on what helps me to stay healthy and heal and, um, you know, when I've struggled, um, where do I retreat to? And it's always been the great outdoors and nature. And so I really started getting interested in this is, you know, the therapeutic component of it. And my gosh, there is so much evidence to support nature <laughs> as medicine, which just I intuitively knew that, um, and I advocate this for my patients, even living in Michigan, even in the dead of winter. I'm like, get outdoors, get outdoors, and I'm sure you've, your listeners have heard this quote, but I use it all the time with my patients, and I say there's no bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. So you get your <laughs> coat and hat on, and you get outside every day. Uh, so like you said, I uh, have been invited to, to speak to, at some conferences regarding this topic, which is thrilling because that means other people are interested in it, too. So um, your podcast is like the first time I'm sharing these slides. So, uh, so yay. Uh, so I'm super excited to share this with your audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're super excited. And we know that you have, uh, you know, you're in high demand. And, um, you know, I before we go into the presentation, can you give us a little bit of insight of how you got, you know, your love for the nature and the outdoors? You've, you're physically so amazing, you know, um, you know, I'm certainly jealous. Um, I definitely want to complete I've done triathlon since 06. Um, I'm a big runner. Um, and, uh, you know, when they think of these races, they think of the pinnacle, right? So, you know, I definitely admire and respect that. But how did you, you know, get into that? You know, what did it fell in? Was there, you know, a, a life, you know, mile marker, you know, figuratively speaking? Um, how, how did you get into it? Yeah, great question. And um, I really don't, I, I'm not this gifted athlete by any means. I, I'm just really tenacious. Um, and I'm basically like, if there's a, you know, something that looks pretty cool or a challenge, I'm like, well, why the heck not? So I actually grew up as a ballet dancer, which ballet dancers are amazing athletes, but yes. I, 
you know, I grew up in the 70s, way back when, right? That's when we just would go out and ride our bikes all day, you know, wouldn't come in until uh, the evening, you know, we rode bikes, we played outdoors. Uh, that was just what we did in the 70s. We didn't have cell phones. We, you know, barely had TV. It was like Brady Bunch. Um, so I think I just kind of grew up living like that. Uh, and when I got to college is when I really started doing more formal outdoors activities of running and mountain biking and river rafting and uh, took some really cool trips. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, um, you know, eventually met my husband and he and the reason why we, you know, get along so well is he loves the same things I do. So, you know, as far as like marathons and triathlons and mountain biking, like I'm just person who says, why the heck not? Life's too short to, to just mm. give it a go. And I don't win these things by any means, but it's what I encourage my pa- patients to do. Like mm. I'm, I'm just a nobody, but I like to do this stuff. So, yeah. And it's yeah. really, you know, it's, this is, you know, within lifestyle medicine, I think, you know, the, those, prof- those of us who have gravitated to this field, we all practice what we preach, right? I, I don't think you can be a lifestyle medicine provider if you're not living this life yourself. So when you yeah. look at like, I'm 52, I don't take any medications, I feel good. Um, my body's aging, I'm slowing down, that's okay. But you know, this, I thought I've been following these principles, and you were board certified in lifestyle medicine well before I was, because I didn't even know it existed. So you were lucky. Um, I became board certified in 2019. And it was at this time where my kids were going off to college. And, and I felt like I had a little bit more me time. Like I, you know, kids go off to college and a lot of uh, women maybe, you know, are struggling and I love my kids to death, but I was like, wow, this is me time. Now I can Mm -hmm. really pursue my passions. Um, And so I started Google searching and plugging in all the things that I love to do. Wilderness medicine, you know, uh, wellness medicine and up came lifestyle (laughs) medicine. And when I read about lifestyle medicine and read about the pillars, it truly felt like coming home. Like it was like, mm-hmm. this is how I have been living my own life and my personal life and my professional life. And ever since that time, when I, 2019, it's, it hasn't even been three years. I have been running with this. I absolutely. Literally love. and figuratively. Yes. And I just love the community. Everyone from the leaders, the pioneers, the trailblazers in our field, you know, there's, there's no egos involved. People just mm-hmm. want to support each other. And I think that's fairly unique not only in medicine, but in other careers of, you know, Dean Ornish and T. Colin Campbell and the Esselstyns, like they want all of us to succeed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I I've, have found such camaraderie and have met just the best people that support what I do and what we all do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we were talking about offline uh, about this and it's, it's very rare that you come into, especially if you're a healthcare provider watching this, it's very rare to kind of come to a conference where you're super stoked, excited, passionate, and you can't wait to network and, you know, just, you know, <laughs> hug, <Bug>. metaphorically <laughs> hug, you know, you know, you know, your, 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 um, your colleagues, um, because, you know, you're interested and you're curious to see how they have, you know, applied lifestyle mm-hmm. medicine? How have they, you know, practiced what they preach? How mm-hmm. have they role modeled to their community? And I totally understand, I totally agree and resonate because it's really, you know, it's bringing back that um, community aspect where the physician, you know, was looked 
as the community leader, the role model, the the, the person to go to, um, to model certain behaviors. And then over time, you know, traditional healthcare system had evolved right over the decades. And a lot of that you know, has been, in my opinion, kind of has been lost, you know, and then you have the information age where pretty much like what surveys have say like upwards of about 90% of people have already Googled, you know, mm-hmm. and people just come in and I'm like, Hey, Mr. Smith, you know, what's going on? It's like, Oh, I think I have X, Y, and Z. And that's always fun, right? When they've already diagnosed right. and it's kind of like, what, what do I need to be here for? <laughs> so, um, well, I but think it's a another wonderful. important thing about the difference with lifestyle medicine. What I've found is that I believe in my patients and their power to change, right? If I give them the tools, the support, the resources, people don't want to be sick, right? And I think we went into a culture of there's a there's an easy fix and a pill and a procedure for everything. And just assuming that eh, patients won't change, no one's going to behavior change too hard, not going to happen. And, you know, I tell my patients all the time, like, I believe in you, you know, if I give you the tools and the support and believe in you, and if you want this pathway, you can achieve it. And once, you know, you kind of shift that of like, we're in a partnership, I can't do this for you. Mm-hmm. But I will be your biggest cheerleader. Um, yep. That is is really powerful. Rather than say, you know, I don't do any good for a patient by saying, "Here's your metformin, here's your Lipitor, here's your Norvasc. Uh, call me in uh, three months." Mm-hmm. I mean, I maybe lower their numbers, but I haven't empowered them or educated them how to really li- lead their best life. Yep. And so that's really what I love about yeah. lifestyle medicine. Yeah, yeah. And you're not fixing the cause. You're not, you know, addressing the root right. cause of disease. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. anyway, that's another episode. Let's get back to nature. <laughs> okay. uh, let's look at the presentation. Um, yeah. All right. So here we go. And I think you can control on yourself. So yep. take it away, Dr. Melissa. Okay. So the, the title of my talk is Moving Mountains, the Power of Movement in Nature to Reach the Peak of Your Well-Being. So this is what we commonly see, right? The exercise pill. To treat your high blood pressure, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, osteoporosis, take this new pill every day. Take it out for a jog, then take it to the gym, then take it for a bike ride. So a little humor there. What we, you know, really, we just don't want to just give pills. We want our patients to engage in in movement. So this is the six pillars of lifestyle medicine, um, which exercise and movement. I like to frame um, exercise as movement. Sometimes my patients get, um, they think exercise means you have to go to the gym. And I always try to encourage, we just want to move our bodies. So if you look at this slide here, you can see that we have become a sedentary population. And this is only through 2010. So um, we can only imagine what it is now. But back up in, you know, World War One and the Depression of World War II, we were very active. We didn't have all these conveniences. Along came cars. We weren't having to walk around town. Then we didn't even have to, like, wash our own clothes. You know, we didn't have to bring them out to the drying rack. Um, we didn't have, you know, refrigerators means we didn't have to go to the corner store every day. Then television came. And, wow, you can sit down for hours and watch television even before Netflix. And then our computers came and we spent a lot of time doing that. Then the internet came. And what have we seen? And I've seen it with my patients. You probably too have, Colin, is that with the pandemic and so many people going um, hybrid, we see that, you know, people are are more sedentary and they're gaining weight because they just don't even leave their desks. So we have become, there's been, you know, from 1900 to 2010, a 70% reduction in daily movement. And again, I probably worse. 
Okay, so we know that there's lots of benefits to exercise, um, and you all have heard this, but just to highlight, it improves our sweet, uh, sleep quality, it decreases anxiety, it can reduce blood pressure, lower the risk of heart disease, strokes, type 2 diabetes, can lower certain risks of cancers, help maintains a healthy body mass index, can improve bone health, and reduces risk of dementia. So this is what I truly believe. We have the six official pillars of lifestyle medicine and Dr. Sunderman, and I'm sure Dr. Colin also says the unofficial seventh pillar of lifestyle medicine should be daily exposure to nature and fresh air. And Hippocrates, who we've all known him as the father of medicine, says the physician treats, but nature heals. And I truly mm. believe that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, the nature itself is the best physician, another um, Hippocrates. So this is what I love to prescribe, right? That is the beautiful prescription. It's a pill of nature. And this mm. is another way to look at that pill. Like if I could just prescribe this, I do prescribe this each and every day. And if this is the only pill my patients have to take, that would be wonderful. <laughs> so Shinrin Yoku, um, some people maybe have heard of forest bathing. And where did this whole concept of nature healing really come from? I think intuitively we maybe knew this, but where did some of the studies originate? And Shinrin-yoku originated in Japan. And the definition is a Japanese practice that promotes visiting the forest for relaxation and to improve one's health. The literal meaning is forest bathing. So a lot of times in this country, you'll hear forest bathing. Um, mm -hmm. And then it, the original Japanese term is Shinrin-yoku. So what is forest bathing? So Shinrin in Japanese means forest and yoku means birth. So basically Shinrin-yoku means bathing in the forest atmosphere. And it's taking in the forest through all five of our senses. And it's not necessarily exercising or jogging. Sometimes it's just being in nature. Uh, connecting with our five senses of sight and hearing and taste and smell and touch. So what's the background of Shinrin-yoku? How did this originate? Well, back in about 1982, um, the National Health Program in Japan was proposed for forest bathing by the Forest Agency of Japan. And the main idea and goal, it was very insightful, was to reduce stress in their workers. So they realized like our Workforce is very stressed, overwhelmed. We hear that all the time right now in healthcare. We're all burnt out. So they had the insight to think, well, maybe nature could be healing. So in 2004, the Forest Agency of Japan organized a project team to investigate this effect of Shinrin-yoku on human health. Originally, they invested um, $1.5 million initial project. Wow. I know. And one of the, I mean, think about what we spend on pharma and procedures, you know, it's like a drop in the bucket, you know, for something that, I mean, wow. yeah. So, and one of the Amazing. key members was Dr. King Lee. And this is his book. Um, so Forest Bathing by Dr. King Lee, um, a wonderful resource to learn all about forest bathing. And so some of the research work of um, Dr. King Lee is he wanted to find early studies, relationship between Shinrin-yoku and immune function. And it's well known that the immune system, including natural killer cells, plays a vital role in the defense against bacteria, viruses, tumors, cancers. Um, and it's already been shown that stress can in inhibit the immune function. So the question Dr. Lee poses, hmm, could forest environment, Shinrin-yoku, reduce stress. So then he took that further and to say, 
speculated that forced environment of shirin-yoku may have a beneficial effect on immune, immune function by reducing stress. So this is the nat graph of natural killer activity. So the people with lower natural killer activity shows higher incidence of cancers, whereas people with higher NK activity show lower incidence of cancer. So you can see that that's true for both males and females. So the first forest bathing study occurred in Japan with Dr. Lee. It was back in 2005 um, in a Japanese uh, city. And uh, his first study came out. It was published in the International Journal of Immunopathology and Pharmacology. And subjects were taken to the forest for two days. And what they found was that they took baseline uh, human natural killer activity. Um, this is looking at men before on day one and day two. And so you can see just by being in the forest, how our immune system responded to that. Mm -hmm. And so then he likewise went, took a group of people to basically an urban setting, like a mall and said, let's, let's have you just go hang out in a mall, you know? And people are like, Oh, the mall is kind of fun. You can smell Cinnabon and like all you know, <laughs> the perfumes. Well, look at what happened to the natural killer cells. Basically nothing, nothing. Just, they just stayed stagnant. So Shinrin-yoku actually not only increased the natural killer activity, but this effect lasted for like 30 days. So you can see the before and then the bump up in the green. And then even at day 30, even though it's dissipating a bit, it still was above baseline. So just by going into the forest and going into nature, this can you know go in the beginning of the month. And by the end of the month, you're still going to be feeling the effects. Dr. Melissa, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, did it say anything in the study where did they do anything in particular? Was there like any deep breathing activities, you know, that they hike or was it simply just, you know, being amongst so all in the this, trees in this early study? This was pretty much just being, they did not mm. do any mind body exercises along with it. It kind of was just, just being and, you know, walking into the forest. And so it wasn't anything prescribed, um, yeah, I know that, you know, other studies, when you look at Dean Ornish's studies where he does plant-based, but also does a mindfulness component, this is stress just reduction being yeah. in, in the environment. Mm, beautiful. So then um, they took this even further. And so they did some field experiments and they went across 24 forests in Japan. And this is the paper. Um, and basically field experiments 24 forests across Japan. In each experiment, they would take 12 subjects out. So in total, 12 times 24, they had 280 uh, total subjects. And on the first day, half the group went into the forest and the other half went into an urban setting. So you can see you know, walking around the trees or you're basically in a big Japanese uh, city. So they, to answer your question, in this study, they, they sat for 15 minutes and then they walked for 15 minutes. Day two, they did a crossover. So the urban people went to the, the forests and the forest people went to the um, urban group. And so then they me measured salivary cortisol, blood pressure, and pulse rate. So change in salivary cortisol. You can see that the forest definitely had less cortisol, lower. And we know that cortisol is a marker of, of stress, inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, 
And we see that even with the walking, we see that there's a difference between being in a city environment and a forest environment. So again, whether you're sitting or moving, hiking, walking, you know, you're going to see differences in salivary cortisol level. They saw a similar result with the pulse rate. Again, when we think about pulse, when we get anxious, when we get angry, when we get stressed, our pulse rate goes up um, along with the cortisol. So again, we see the same pattern when you're just visiting and not doing anything, just kind of sitting there taking it all in. The forest uh, areas had uh, lower pulse rate. And then when they were walking, forest areas had lower pulse rate. So even though, you know, maybe you're walking in the forest, you're afraid of like a rattlesnake coming out of the rainforest, but no, I mean, you know, it, it still is just being in that, um, that forest environment. And again, I'm sounding redundant, but here's changes in blood pressure. Top graphs are going to be systolic. Bottom graphs are going to be diastolic. And we do it, you know, maybe not as big of a change, but we still mm -hmm. see that there's a, a, a change there between being in the forest versus urban environment. Um, so looking at, this is another study. This is actually from the University of Michigan, Go Blue, where I live. Um, and they were looking at, um, again, looking at cortisol levels and trying to figure out what is sort of the, the to get that optimal um, lowering of our stress markers, like how much time do you really need to be out there? Like if you poke your head outside, mm -hmm. that's probably not going to be enough. Do you need to like go out for a two hour hike? Probably not. So here, if you scroll down to Q3, that 21 to 30 minutes, that's where they saw the largest cortisol drop beyond your diurnal effect. We know that mm. cortisol, when we measure cortisol in our patients, you know, it fluctuates throughout the day. So this was a drop even beneath the di diurnal uh, effect. So it looks like that sweet spot is probably 20 to 30 minutes, which Hey, that's less than a, like an episode on a Netflix, right? So when people say, I don't have time, I'm like, do you ever watch any, like, what's your favorite show? They're like, oh, well, I binge watch. I'm like, <laughs> it's like hours and hours and hours gone. <laughs> right. In that time, you could have just lowered your salivary cortisol. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? It's like, yeah. here, here's a paper you can read about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. While you're walking outside. <laughs> yeah. So here's just a, you know, kind of a busy graph, but basically the, the blue is our, our diurnal effect. So we see, again, fluctuations of cortisol. But when we have the nature um, experience, we actually see even a lowering of the natural diurnal effect. So we are seeing a lower um, salivary cortisol and stress reduction. So this is a meta-analysis. Um, Andy Jones actually just listened to a podcast of his, and he's from the UK, great guy. And so he did a, a large meta-analysis of, um, you know, looking at is nature therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And what he did for the meta-analysis is he looked at green space exposure associated with wide-ranging health benefits across 143 studies. And the meta-analysis showed statistically significant reductions, and this is going to be slides, but again, um, validating it, diastolic blood pressure, salivary cortisol, and heart rate, and also found statistically significant decreases in incident of diabetes, all cause, and cardiovascular mortality. Now, he did say during the paper, some of the meta-analysis were limited by some studies, you know, you can imagine after 143 studies, some studies were of poor quality, but again, this trend that we keep seeing. Um, and so he came to the conclusion that green space and street greenery may form part of a multifaceted approach to improve a wide range of health um, outcomes. 
So why do people love forests? I know you do. I know I do. Um, well, they're quiet. They're beautiful. Um, they're protected. A lot of times, like it could be windy, windy, windy. And then you get into the forest and you're like, wow, I, I don't even notice. I love trail running for that reason, right? You could be, the wind could be whipping down, you know, streets, but then you get into the forest and it's like this little Mecca of just being really protected and the clean, fresh air just has that special smell. So we talked about the five senses and that's why, you know, we really are omnipresent when we're in the forest. So when we have our, use our sight of uh, the sense of sight. We can see the green colors and the forest landscape and the topography. We're smelling phytocyanides, which I'll talk about in a couple of slides and what we smell, what's in bloom. If there's a dew on there, a recent rain, um, hearing, we're hearing the forest sounds, the crumpling of leaves, the animals, the birds, sense of touch. I mean, I know, like, I remember when I take my kids hiking, especially my son, like he had to touch everything, right? He just had to grab leaves and, you know, touch everything. And, you know, you see moss and you just want to feel it because it looks really soft. Um, animals, you know, maybe you want to touch them, maybe you don't. Um, sense of taste, eating foods, of course, only the safe ones and just tasting that fresh air. So engaging all five of our senses. senses. So biophilia, this concept of just being one with nature was actually an official term that was originated in 1973 by Eric Fromm. Uh, he was a social psychologist and is described as the passionate love of life and all that is alive. It is a wish to further growth, whether in a person, plant, an idea, or a social group. And it's this innate emotional connection of human beings to other living organisms, right? So we're humans but everything in the forest and in nature is also living too. And so just this, you know, from our genetic code that we're supposed to be together. And I love this picture of, you know, mm -hmm. this person reaching out and holding hands with this, you know, this tree. Um, and it not only aids in survival when we're in tune with nature, but also broader human fulfillment. Um, and natural environments are one of the few places that we can experience all five senses, which we just showed previously. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, if you are interested in having a consultation with me and actually see me one-on-one, -on -one, um, the Chef Doc Lifestyle Medicine uh, practice has partnered with Plant-Based Telehealth and uh, we offer uh, lifestyle medicine consultations. So you'll be able to see me one-on-one -on -one and um, I can go over your health history and seeing what we can do to fill in the gaps. Uh, we can talk about your physical health, anything from food to lifestyle to diet to setting up your kitchen to cooking preparation to grocery shopping to your mental health. Um, I think it's important that we build our emotional resilience to talking about your sleep and how to stay hydrated and what are the best uh, medicines if necessary, what are the best supplementations if necessary. And we do all this in a very concise manner and it's a conversation. I take the time out to listen. I take the time out to really understand you from the ground up and to look at all aspects um, of your physical, emotional, and mental health. And um, please, you know, uh, drop me a line, schedule an appointment if you want to see me one-on-one. And um, I am very, very looking forward to learning more about you. And again, thank you so much for visiting uh, here uh, at The Chef Doc.
Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So I mentioned phytosanides, and uh, I hadn't heard about this really concept. It, it mm-hmm. sort of made sense to me, but um, and it's you know the, the plants actually give out these like oils that are actually healing. And so here's the definition of how we came up with. Uh, fighting sides. <laughs> Not like poison ivy. <laughs> no, exactly. So when we unintentionally inhale, we're just breathing. The trees and all the forests and the greenery are giving off these powerful um, oils and it enhances our immune function, which when you're in the urban settings, well, you're probably, yeah, you're probably getting a lot of air pollutants. And we know what that can do to, you know, asthma, respiratory um, conditions, uh, you know, all kind of allergic things. Um, so nothing good comes out of that. So these are the, the uh, compounds, the organic compounds that uh, the phytosanides, uh, the technical terms, there's beta-pinene, beta-myrcene, camphene, alpha-pinene, D-limonene. And there's a wide range, um, and these are from different papers and studies of, of what these chemicals, um, natural chemicals, can, how they can help us. They can provide mm. stress relief. They're freshening. They cause us to feel more calm. They can actually improve on learning ability and concentration, and they have strong antimicrobial uh, properties as well. So back to Dr. Lee. So he wanted to test how how do these phytoncides, do they, you know, how powerful are they? So he developed a study where he (laughs) took 13 subjects and basically locked them in a room. (laughs) There's an interesting IRB approval, I'm sure. (laughs) Sounds like an escape room. It doesn't sound like an experiment. (laughs) I will hold the key and lock it from the outside. So they they were locked in the room for three nights. And some rooms were rigged with a humidifier to vaporize stem oil from the Hinoki cypress trees. And other rooms had Oh, did nothing. Um, and basically, he saw that cypress sleepers experienced a 20% increase in natural killer cells during their stay and also felt less fatigued. And the control group saw no changes. So just breathing in this air, um, these compounds can improve our natural killer cell. So again, just reiterating, um, spending time in nature, it boosts our mood, increases general feelings of happiness and well-being. We feel more calm. We can actually pay attention more. You know, we live in a culture of so many people with concentration and ADD issues because mm-hmm. we've got so many other things going on. Um, fosters empathy because, you know, we take care of our forests and, you know, treat them as, as one of our beings. Lower stress um, can help with mental health issues, anxiety and fear and calms the nervous system. So again, this is just a slide that's just going to basically talk about um, what we just um, mentioned about all the benefits of nature. And, you know, there's been, when I've been reading these books about getting ready for this talk, um, basically like nature deficit, we think can be contributing to some of the ADD that we're seeing, right? So if we get kids out in nature and better academic performance, they can pay attention more increased enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. uh, improved behavior. So, you know, why recess, outdoor recess is so important, right? Oh, yeah. And it's a shame to kind of, you know, when I think about recess and uh, music, the arts, physical education, um, and you see those, and depending on the budget, they may not even have them as part of the curriculum. And it breaks my heart because I know 
that, you know, I grew immensely from just moving, you know, saying instead of being locked in a chair. Exactly. So again, these people can look at these. um, This is just going to be similar. It's going to be some studies that um, show the same health benefits that I've been speaking about. So uh, exercise outdoors can reduce sadness, anger, fatigue, um, can improve uh, depression, anxiety, ADD. For the elderly, there's been some studies that they have gardening um, as part of assisted living and Alzheimer's. Mm. And just spending time in gardening can help with dexterity of their hands and also can help improve um, uh, cognition or stabilize cognition loss. So this is really interesting. Um, These were some studies that looked at green space in urban um, dwellings. And so Cohen Sullivan in 2001, um, there's a very, I guess, famous at that time, um, it's a big housing project in Chicago uh, called the Ida B. Wells. And they wanted to look at, you know, should we have more green spaces in urban environments? And is there a benefit to that? So they looked at a series of courtyards ranging from kind of like this, where there's no greenery and just concrete everywhere, to some of the housing units um, in this big, huge housing complex had a view of mixed concrete, maybe a little bit of greenery. And then some of them actually had like courtyards with lush landscape and trees and grass. And they analyzed 98 buildings over two years. So the results, what it showed is there was striking correlation between level of greenery and number of assaults, number of homicides, number of vehicle thefts, episodes of burglary, episodes of arson. And the buildings with the highest levels of greenery had 48% fewer property crimes and 56% fewer violent crimes. So that's just by having green space, right? Nothing else, just having green space. Wow. So, you know, when they sort of talk to some of the residents about, you know, what do you think's going on? And they seem to notice that when you had these prettier, greener courtyards, the residents would go outside and hang out like this, right? You can see that Mm. there's trees and grass and they got to know each other. So like, why are you going to like assault your neighbor if you're friends with them? Or why are you going to steal from your neighbor? So they got to know each other. They could keep an eye out. You know, they, they trusted um, their neighbors more. Um, They, reported that their neighbors were more concerned with helping others, with supporting each other, empathy. Um, they had strong feelings of belonging and they engaged in more social activity. So uh, we can't have a lifestyle medicine talk without mentioning the gut microbiome, right? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> the gut microbiome, my God, it's involved in everything. So this was a study that came out pretty recently, um, and it looked at the impact of outdoor activities um, on the gut microbiota, and this was on um, young kids, preschool children. And what they looked at was 94 preschool-age children, and they were in a 10-week nature-related structured play and grow. Basically, they were outside, they were playing, they were digging in mm-hmm. dirt, they were getting dirty. Um, <laughs> and they they did some surveys to look at some um, validated surveys to rate their stress and anger issues. And so they saw um, that these kids, after having this 10-week immersion, felt more significant connection to nature, but also decreased perceived overall stress and anger. And then they even you know, analyzed their poop. Um, And so they saw in this 10 week, an increase in Roseburia, which is one of the 
bacteria that produces butyrate. And we know that butyrate is one of the short chain fatty acids along with mm -hmm. acetate and proponate, which are, you know, short chain fatty acids are responsible for so much of health of the gut microbiome and almost like an immune modulator. Um, and they also saw increase in fecal serotonin level. And we know that serotonin is like that happy hormone. 90% um, of the, the serotonin is actually produced in the gut microbiome. So that's even signifying that we're improving the gut microbiome. So get those kids and adults, let's just dig in the dirt. <laughs> So movement in nature, my passion. So again, I'm going to sound like, God, like broken record. But, you know, when we move in nature, we get these same benefits of just like being in nature. So suggested dosage, like what's my, you know, suggested dosage? Well, within just two minutes of being outside, so basically poking your head out, um, stress is relieved by even just two minutes of exposure to nature. Um, and they looked at muscle tension and blood pressure and brain activity, but at two hours, memory performance and attention span improves um, 20% after spending, you know, a couple of hours in nature. And then two days, and this is like when Dr. Lee mm -hmm. brought his, you know, patients out for, or his subjects out for two days, uh, levels of cancer fighting white blood cells increased 50%. Um, so the more, the better. There's not, you know, in, so many of our medications, it's like, don't, don't have an overdose. Um, I really don't think you can, you can have any adverse effects from overdosing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So forms of movement in nature. And this is why, again, I like to use the term movement in, instead of exercise, because we want to be open to everyone. I don't care what you choose to do to move. You just move. So whether you want to walk or you want to jog or you want to garden, you know, I just had, um, an older patient in clinic today who was like, you know, I, she's in her seventies and she's got some knee issues and shoulder issues, but she's like, but I still can garden. I still can get out there and dig in dirt, um, hiking and biking and swimming and skiing and bird watching, right. Um, just connection with that nature, um, mm -hmm. doing yoga or Tai Chi, getting out and kayaking, canoeing, fishing. So, so many forms of how to be active in nature. And I love this picture too, of, you know, these, dad running ahead and his girls chasing him and, you know, mom just being contemplative with their other child. Again, this is families together, friends together, even by yourself. Um, so, so many ways to connect um, with nature, you know, whether you want to go out there and take a hike and sketch, um, discover something new, listen to the birds, discover new wildlife. We talked about forest bathing, gardening, um, even watching a, a nature documentary. And I don't have time to get into that, but even viewing nature shows um, some, you know, uh, benefits, not as much as being in the actual outdoors, but um, yeah, exactly. And, and I'll, I guess I'll, I'll say one little snippet. There have been studies that looking at hospital rooms and hospital mm -hmm. rooms with windows viewing just like concrete versus a beautiful um, outdoor space. Mm -hmm. And those rooms that have beautiful outdoor space saw, um, you know, and sometimes faster recovery and less pain in their patients. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the health benefits of gardening, of course, you know, just being one with dirt. Um, we're going to see improvements in our gut microbiome, being outside for vitamin D. Um, when we plant gardens and we see something growing, how that that connection. And then of course, what you're growing is going to be part of our whole food plant-based dietary pattern. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're taking care of our gardening, we're, we're getting movement and exercise. So perceived barriers to movement in nature. 
how many times have we heard, you know, like, have you been exercising? No, I know I should, but I haven't. And, you know, when I say, well, why, you know, well, I don't have the time, you know, oh, I can't afford a gym. Um, some of my older patients, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of falling. Yeah. Um, for some patients, you know, going to the gym, like, no, I, you know, I feel like I don't belong at the gym. I don't look like someone that goes to the gym. I, you know, I'm just too embarrassed to show up there. Mm. Um, accessibility, whether, you know, it could be financial to, to join some of those gyms, like <laughs> those really fancy ones. It's really expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Lack of motivation, just like, eh, you know, it hasn't been part of my life and I just, I'm not motivated to do it. Uh, I, I find getting on that I call it the treadmill. I get on the treadmill and it's just so boring. It's not enjoyable. Um, I don't have anyone, anyone to do it with, you know, I just by myself. So, yeah. you know, all these excuses, I'm tired. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's raining. It's too late. I just say, let's go. <laughs> I love it. So how to break down these barriers. Okay. That's my husband. This would be this winter out running and you can see it was just a little chilly for us on our run. <laughs> just a little bit. A little bit. I call that icicle mascara. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets a little chilly up in Michigan, but once we get going, we're good. I love it. So this is how I, you know, break down those barriers, right? I've surrounded myself with people, family members, patients who, you know, enjoy doing the same stuff. So this is one of my patients, um, Jill. And uh, this is her grandson. And she struggled with her weight her entire life. She's a mother of six, um, was a full-time mom, always put her kids first, um, had been very sedentary, struggled with anxiety on a lot of medications. And um, she came to me and she saw what my husband, when he went plant-based and like what his transformation was. So she said, I want to do what he's doing. So she started moving her body. She went plant-based. And basically, this is her grandkid and, and one of the inspirations. And she messaged me. She's like, you're not going to believe this. I went out for a walk one day. And all of a sudden, I started running. Like, I haven't run since I was a kid. But it felt so good. I started running. And it felt great. And so now she, you know, she's exploring all trails around. Um, this is my son. He's about to graduate from college. We climbed Pikes Peak um, last summer, a 14er. Uh, my husband and I doing his first half marathon. He did great. We like yeah. to play as a family. That's me at the top of Telluride um, on my 50th birthday. So, you know, just, just having uh, wanting a sense of adventure. And then these are my, my tribe. So, you know, we're all busy professionals. We've got a CEO, a CFO and a, a aerospace engineer in this group. And we're doing an ultra here. So just when you're around people, that's how I break down those barriers of like, mm-hmm. I surround myself with the community to find something to do. Mm. Um, so Colin's seen this. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so this is my new hashtag, which I'm like promoting. It's called jumping for joy. And uh, you don't have to be at, you know, you can be anywhere to jump for joy in your backyard, everywhere, anywhere. So um, these are some of my favorite places to jump for joy. So I had fun with this. I'm going to continue doing this. So people are going to be like, oh, there she is jumping again. Um, I don't get very high off the ground anymore, but that's you know, <laughs> that's what happens when you turn 52. My husband's a good photo taker. He can make it look like I'm really so, so this, uh, uh, if you can go back to that picture yeah. uh, for our audio listeners, can you uh, name some of the places oh, yeah, that you yeah. are jumping so for joy? This is a recent trip. Um, so I've got it. Um, we go to out skiing in Telluride. So I've got one um, on Main Street in Telluride. 
I've got one in, in Antelope Can Lower Antelope Canyon, mm -hmm. um, and Utah's gorgeous. Um, I've got one um, in the Grand Canyon. We just did the rim to river to rim, uh, nine hours of hiking. Um, I've got Zion. Um, we with my tribe, we just recently did the Zion 50K uh, two weeks ago. Um, we've got, let's see, there's some hiking in Sedona and yeah, great stuff. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Jump for joy. Hashtag jump for joy. Jump <laughs> so this, we've all seen pyramids. We're used to like a food pyramid, but I'm going to propose a nature connection pyramid. So at the bottom is what we should do daily. Get outside, you know, climb on trees. That's going to be for the younger kids. I don't want you falling out of trees. Um, <laughs> just get your feet in the grass, you know, get your hands dirty. So garden, just go out in your own neighborhood, your own backyard. You can do that every day. What do you want to do weekly? Well, again, you can look at, you know, local parks. Um, you can go bird watching. Uh, you can, you know, collect rocks for a fairy garden, you know, go for, for nature and, and work in your garden and harvest. And this time of year, I think we're all getting ready to plant things. So you can do that on a weekly basis. How about monthly? Talked about parks. Maybe there's some state parks you want to go to. Mm -hmm. um, support your park system. That's how we, you know, we really need to support our park system with our entrance fee or our parking fee so that they can keep up our trails um, and access to our parks. And what about yearly? Well, maybe yearly, you know, you can go outside your own state or even a different part of your own state. And what I found is, you know, we had the the privilege to go out to um, out west in and it was such an affordable trip because the activity was free. We maybe paid $5 to get into the park and then we'd hike for hours, right? We're like, this is incredible. Like, you know, what you would spend on going out to dinner, to the movies, to yeah. a show, to gambling. And we just hiked and hiked and hiked and it didn't cost us a single cent. So utilizing this nature connection pyramid um, and, you know, using it with your family. Um, I'm going to use it with my patients. I'm just, you know, let's use the food pyramid along with the nature connection can you um I, I wanna I want you to highlight that asterisk that you have um for the did you know? Um because I yeah. think that's important to highlight. Yep. So there is um a point here that says, did you know the number one reason for park closures is underutilization by the public? So, like I said, support your park system. The mm -hmm. fee that you pay to get in there, I think for the Grand Canyon. We were there for two days. We had to pay $35 to bring a vehicle in there. That's it for the mm. whole entire Grand Canyon access. So we've got to support, you know, our local parks, our state parks, our national parks, because they are such a gift mm -hmm. um, and really for a nominal fee. <clears throat> so next I'm going to show just some slides on what we can do and to promote if you're a practitioner for our patients or if you're an individual, like what kind of access so this is a program, Park RX, um, which is in the States. And if you go to their website, you can sign up. And basically, it, it walks you through and you can be an enrolled practitioner. And like in my area of Ann Arbor, Michigan, I can basically plug in uh, the patient lives in the city of Howell. And it will pull up parks that are all around that area and, and a mm. radius. Um, and so I can write a prescription and we write it the same way, like one hike, per week, 30 to 60 minutes in duration, you know, dispense, you know, one weekly times, you know, eight um, refills unlimited. So really treating this like um, a true prescription. And again, Park RX, I think it's parkrx.com or .org. Mm. And 
great, great. Um, wow. I can't believe that's an actual website. <laughs> it is. Yes. And they've got, it's a great company and they're doing great work. So this is um, in Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, so they have made this, you know, nature prescription. Um, so they started handing out nature prescriptions and 69% receive of patients there received nature prescriptions for mental health conditions. All right, let me start back. 350 patients received nature prescription for 32 different health conditions. Um, 69 of them were for mental health conditions. Um, 17% of the prescriptions were physical health conditions like obesity and diabetes. Three-fourths, so 75% of patients reported benefiting from their nature prescription. And 87% said they were likely in, or very likely to, to continue the nature prescription. So just the fact of giving nature prescriptions, people just don't, you know, discard them. It shows that if they take upon them, they are reaping the rewards. This is a super cool app. It's called Nature Quant. And um, Nature Dose, I think is it's Nature Quant is the company. Nature Dose is the app. You can download mm. it on your smartphone. And basically, it's kind of like I've got a smart or, you know, a Garmin that's like tells me, OK, this is your step goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other. but this actually would keep track of your exposure to nature and it has mm. a weekly goal. So this example is uh, for this patient, the weekly goal was 120 minutes. They can see each day of the week what mm. they basically achieved. And, you know, they're 91 minutes into their goal of 120 minutes. So when we look at people who enjoy apps and trackability, we actually mm -hmm. have a good app for our nature prescription and nature dose. Mm. Um, so this is the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides and Programs, a wonderful website um, with you can actually like become a certified like forest therapy guide, which I think. What? Would be what? <laughs> like that's your job is you just go forest bathing. Like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm looking at retirement. This is what I'm going to do. So I found some great information and a wealth of knowledge. And uh, yeah, these people are just trying to get people, you know, exposed to nature, healing from what? nature. And so you can get so cool. I'm a forest therapy guide. Um, so dose of nature. So this is, um, it seems like the UK is a little bit farther advanced than we are. I think we're going to, we're going to come along. I know we are. Colin and I are going <laughs> to make sure we do. Yes. Um, so dose of nature and, and with their nature prescriptions, um, it's a dose of nature prescription is a 10 week program that introduces individuals to the mental health benefits of spending time in nature. It aims to inspire lifestyle changes that will have a significant and lasting impact on mental well-being. This is achieved through a combination of education, firsthand experience, and practical and motivational support by a trained dose of nature guide, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, basically you get a referral from your GP. Like, that's me. I'm a GP, uh, internal medicine. <sighs> And then they get like a psychological assessment, you know, where they are with their mental health. And then the 10 week, uh, you get one on one, one to one programming, including weekly meetings with a trained dose of nature guide. The client commits to a minimum of three to four independent nature visits in addition to this one on one. And then they do this and then the psychologist will review it. Um, and then they have all these group activities that they get referred to. So it's basically what? this whole support. Wait, this is only in the UK? Well, we right now have... they're doing this in the UK. Yep. Yep. Oh. So, you know, it's like this 
treatment plan, right? It's a full well, on. We can re hey, Dr. Melissa, we can refer them and the patients can just fly to the UK. Right. <laughs> well, they, they better bring their primary who referred them to. It's like, you know, I, I got to be there for supervision. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have to, we have to oversee their program. Exactly. Yep. So that's pretty cool to see. Um, and then the, this is similar to Park RX, but this is different. This is Parks. <laughs> um, and again, this is in Canada. Um, so come on, U.S. Um, mm -hmm. So this was launched in 2020, and it's Canada's first, first nature prescription. And they recommend spending a minimum of two hours per week in nature in at least 20-minute intervals. So again, we saw slides about the goal is two hours per week. And um, and we, we saw that sweet spot between like 20 and 30 minutes of being out in nature. So the park parks medical professionals can prescribe an adult parks Canada discovery pass. And basically this pass covers year long admission to over 80 destinations across Canada. So waives the fee completely, right? So they've got this partnership realizing the benefit. So go Canada. So now they've got yeah. free access. This is a cool Again, I, I'm finding all these great things. So this is called Casting for Recovery. And this is a nonprofit for breast cancer survivorship. Um, and I'm good friends with Dr. Amy Commander from Mass General um, and told her about this. She's like, this is the coolest thing. So basically, uh, if you're a breast cancer survivor, you can apply for one of these trips and you go out on this retreat and you learn about fly fishing and fishing. And, and really, it makes sense because with breast cancer survivorship, a lot of women have had mastectomies or surgery, lymph node resection. And so they get a lot of adhesions, decreased mobility. So if you think about yeah. fishing and casting, what a great physical therapy. But A lot also, of chest and thoracic movement. Yes, yep. so connection with nature, right? So just wonderful uh, programs going on worldwide to basically promote nature as medicine. Mm. So... I'm getting up there in age, but once I get even older, you can get a <laughs> senior pass. Um, basically, for like 80 bucks, you can get a unlimited lifelong pass for 80 bucks. Um, and I can't remember. I'm trying to see how old I have to be. I'm not quite there yet. Um, I think you had to be like 62. But yeah, for 80 bucks, a lifetime membership to any national park. I, I have a, a patient who is she's an avid bird watcher. And she told me about this. She's like, she pulled out her, she's a card carrying member. She's like, look oh at my, my card. God. And I can go to any national park for free. So that's a pretty cool thing that uh, the, the, the benefits of, of getting older. So in conclusion, again, let's go back to Hippocrates, who knows everything. <laughs> and, and this quote I love, if you are in a bad mood, go for a walk. If you are still in a bad mood, go for another walk. So, and preferably, you know, I'm going to say outdoors. Um, so <laughs> yeah. just keep moving and just keep getting fresh air. And that's um, basically my talk. Wow. I, I love it. Thank you so much. I definitely have to give you a round of applause. <laughs> so would you so so based off of what you've read so far, would you say per week you would say like about a couple hours? Um I would say, you know, again, we have to meet patients where they're at, right? So if you're like semi-retired and this and that, yeah, you can go out for two hours every day. But I mean, I I know you work super hard, I work super hard. I've got patients who are full-time parents raising kids, and so yeah, if you can get out there, like that sweet spot, 20 to 30 minutes a day, I think that would be ideal, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that 
when most of us look at our days, we probably can find, you know, ways to do that. Um, you know, I like try to even like my whole office knows in between my morning patients and afternoon patients, I get a little bit of a catch up time mm-hmm. instead of catching up on my work, which I maybe some people say I should, um, I go for a walk. I just yep. bundle up and go outside and go for a walk. And I feel so much better for my afternoon patients. I'm more present. Um, I feel better mentally. I, I just can be more patient with my patients. Um, I feel, <laughs> you know, more grounded, more centered. So I think if we look at our days and sometimes it's, I say, set your alarm for 20 minutes earlier, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if life gets too chaotic by the end of the day, set, get up 20 minutes earlier and just, mm-hmm. just move your body preferably outside. Yeah. 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 Um, I would probably add to that, like even just our current, you know, physical activity guidelines, if we could just have them just do their physical activity outside, yeah. you know, that way you don't have to carve out another, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, oh, right. yeah. just, you know, work out outside, do your calisthenics outside. I think what would be cool, I've seen this in Brazil a lot, and there's some places that do this where, you know, just along the coastline, just on their boardwalk, they have public gyms, you yeah. know, that they, they're just laid out mm-hmm. and, you know, Brazilians, they love to work out. So, you know, people just do it all day long. I think it's a combination of public policy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, infrastructure, state, local, you know, government, you know, just putting things together. I really love the work of the blue zones and, oh, you know, them sourcing out you know communities that have done it well right and it's not impossible right no in the blue zones the blue zone projects which are going on right now their motto is make the healthy choice the easy choice right so whether that's access to healthy food access to safe places and greenways and paved pathways Mm -hmm. you know they are the blue zones projects um are doing remarkable and i always talk about the blue zones to my patients because i'm like you know the five original blue zones where people are living the longest, they don't got no planet fitness in Okinawa, Japan, exactly. you know, like, and exactly. but, but people just moved and they, you know, they garden, they walk to go, you know, see their neighbors. Um, and it's just a, a culture that, like I said, we've got an easy button in a lot of yeah. ways. That, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it, um, you know, you can probably add to this, you know, really stem from the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where, you know, society, civilizations continue to flourish in terms of many, many different ways, technological advances, but it kind of removed ourselves, you know, physically, you know, yes. from nature, you right. know, and we just don't recognize it anymore, you know, exactly. so, and, I think and now we're doing studies where we have to kind of <laughs> prove to kind of go back to it. Right. And I see that with my patients of, you know, I, I get so many, cause I see a lot of um, middle-aged women, which I am one of those um, who are just tired, right. They're stressed and they're tired. And, and, you know, I'll ask about movement and they're like, well, you know, and so it's really just bringing that back. Like this is such a key component to your health, to your physical mm-hmm. well-being, your mental well-being, and even better if you get that dose of nature in it, you know, and, yeah. and when we talk about accessibility, um, there's no cost to going outside your front door. You don't have to mm-hmm. join any kind of membership, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I understand that in some areas, maybe it's not safe, um, mm-hmm. but hopefully you can find a, a central park or something within yeah. a dwelling that, that you do. Um, and doing it with others, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That group dynamic, that group theory, you know, one of our pillars of lifestyle medicine is connection, right? So that's why I say to people, if you like find a group to do this with, you're hitting the target of the pillar of connection. It's going to relieve your stress. You're going to sleep better. You're probably going to eat better because you want to nourish your body. You're moving and okay. And you're probably not smoking because you don't want to ruin your lungs for movement. So right there, 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. I interviewed, I forget which season this was, but I interviewed the founder of Walk with the Doc. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, a great individual. He's, mm-hmm. I believe he's from the Ohio region. He's a cardiologist mm-hmm. by trade. And what a what a movement. It's a global yeah, movement. Absolutely. And uh, it's exactly, you know, the, the, the application of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we don't need a physician to lead us, but it, it's such a great, you know, role model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and concept to just really state simple things. And it's, you know, at the end of it, you know, from all the excuses and complaints, it's really about changing behavior, which is basically the foundation of lifestyle medicine and, you know, just showing up and showing, you know, to others that it can be done. If I can do it, you can do it. Right. right. Um, and the access is not that huge. The barrier is not that huge. The cost is not that huge. So, right. um, it's very, you know, very, very doable. And we just have to, you know, in a way, shut up and just go outside. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think like what you said, like maybe you don't have to be a doc, but I think it's important that when we have patients coming to see us and trusting us um, with their health and well-being. We need to model that we're doing this ourselves. And I tell my patients that I'm like not perfect by any stretch of means, believe me, yeah. but I try to do my best and I'll yeah. let you know what works for me, um, what I've struggled with, and maybe that will help you too. So yeah. I think with that walk with the doc, it shows that, okay, my doc's out here walking too and feels this is important. So I think we, we really need to practice what we preach, you know, yeah. if we're going to talk the talk, we need to um, walk. For walk. sure, for sure. And I think, you know, something as simple as your, you know, the stitching of the photos for you jumping for joy, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just a great Instagram pose. I think it's, you know, probably, you know, a very, it's a very powerful message to send to your patients, you know, mm-hmm. to show that, wow, my doctor is happy. She's flourishing. She's literally jumping for joy. And you know, what, what am I, you know, what do I have to say for myself? Let's go out in there and do it. So yeah, yeah. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Melissa, thank you so much um, for that wonderful presentation. I I am very honored and privileged to, you know, receive that as your first, you know, first talks of the year. Um, Thank you for showing up. Thank you for doing the work you do. Thank you. um, And I hope you continue to, you know, uh, you know, impress upon us, you know, the importance of nature is and as, you know, medicine. And uh, yeah, thank you for showing up for the world, doing what you're doing. Well, thank you. And I am honored, honored to not only be your guest, but to be here on your 300th episode. My goodness, you wear all kind of hats. Boy, you got to come and cook me dinner, okay? Um, we haven't quite got to 300. I think you're, you're number, uh, 126, 127, oh, oh, so third, 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 third anniversary. Third yeah. Anniversary. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, but it's, um, <laughs> I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean like think we're going to go past 10 to be honest, no, but <laughs> you do a remarkable job and, um, and I uh, can't wait until we can meet in person. So yes, yes, for sure. So thank you again. Uh, for those that are curious to reach out to you mm-hmm. to find out more about your work, is there somewhere that you know uh, you can direct them to? Well, my Instagram handle is Motivator Melissa, and I do have a Facebook group. Call me if you've got show notes because it's just based on geographical location, and you're not going to be able to spell it. But it's <laughs> Lifestyle Medicine Washtenaw slash Livingston Counties, and we've got like 2,000 members from all over the world, and it's yep. been a great group. I'm on LinkedIn, just at my name, Melissa Sunderman, and um, those are probably the best ways to find me and connect with me. And um, if you love what I love, I'd love to know you. 
<laughs> yes. And I hope people can get, you know, a lot of it, not just from the content, but be able to share your work so you can speak and, you know, so many other great, uh, you know, uh, you know, establishments and entities and just spread the love, you know, spread the joy of how powerful this is. So again, thank you so much, um, you know, for taking the time out. Um, and uh, for showing up today. And uh, guys, thank you so much for enjoying this episode. If you like this, please subscribe, like, and comment. Um, and if you feel like this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And until then, please say goodbye to Dr. Melissa. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you like this, please like, follow, and subscribe. And please follow us for the latest updates for this season, season five. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you so much again. And we will see you on the next one.